The 18th division, verse one, Jeremiah 18, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. He wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Behold, as the clay as in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Hallelujah. Somebody say the work on the wheel. Would you pray with me tonight? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the great gift of faith and the great love that you have loved us with. I pray now that you would edify us in this house tonight. Give us the ears of hearers, Lord. And I pray that our faith would be increased in this place. I ask you, Lord, to make me safe to your people. Let every word be one God that is fruitful. In the name of Jesus, we pray, we give you glory, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated in the house of the Lord. As you're seated, someone say praise the Lord. Now, those of you that are familiar with this time and this season, this is when there's a lot of voices in the pulpit that aren't the one you want to hear. And uh, pastor is returning this weekend is my understanding. Is that right? Pastor Sizemore? Amen. And it's camp season and there's so, so much busyness going on, but we're looking so forward to having him home. And uh, if you love your pastor, say amen. Amen. We certainly appreciate Pastor Urshan. Perhaps 200 years before this text in Jeremiah was penned, The writer of Isaiah would declare, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. We often cite Jeremiah, but it wasn't the first time that the word of God declared that God was indeed the potter and that we were the clay. And it's an understanding that we all must collectively come to. God is creator and king. God raises men up and God sets men down and God sits high and looks low and God is sovereign and God is omnipotent and God is mighty and God is God alone all by himself. It's important that the potter be in this position, this position of power. And we, we are not the potter. We are rather his handiwork and we are his workmanship. The created is not greater than the creator and yet David points out to us, even still he has crowned us with glory and with honor. The created of God, created a little lower than the angels yet crowned with glory and with honor. It's a curious thing and it's one that challenges us or at least it should this relationship that flourishes and is blessed through our dependence and something we heard about Sunday through our submission pastor and yet we do have a free will we indeed can resist there is a path to us that seems like the right path but as we heard Sunday the end thereof is certain death 
And as believers, I, I think we flirt with understanding the truth of his lordship. We want to, we understand it in concept and our identity and our blessing coming by and through him. I think we know that as children that we must be submitted and we do in fact on a level understand it that this idea that again, he is the one in charge, he's the potter and that we are the clay. It's akin to the idea that we find in scripture that he is the shepherd and we are the flock, we are his sheep. He is the author and the finisher of the faith and we're the subjects of the story that he's penning. We, we understand this on a level, but I, I, I would ask you to consider with me, do our lives really reflect that dynamic? Day in and day out. I remember pastor confiding in the church and it was so awesome to hear him say it that the Lord confronted him and said, are you a Christ follower? Or do I just follow you around? See, so many of our songs and so many of our exhortations and so many of our declarations are more about him doing our bidding than they are about us doing his. But we must make no mistake about it, he is the author and the finisher of the faith, yes, but there are other authors of this world. There are authors of culture, not of faith. Authors of media, not of faith. There are other authors of this world and they, they desire to pin upon the pages of our lives every manner of their influence. They're clamoring to pin on the pages of our story. And there are voices. There are shepherds in the earth. They are not the good shepherd, though, by any means. They, they are not leading us in paths of righteousness, but rather they are leading us astray and into a ditch, not by still waters. No, no, no. This is a different type of shepherding that is going on in the world today. And there are wheels spinning everywhere. Everywhere, when you look across the landscape of society, when you walk through a place of commerce, when you, when you scroll on your phone and when you consider the messaging, there are wheels spinning everywhere I look. I'm talking about potter's wheels. Voices and ideologies and spirits of this fallen world that desire to make you and to mold me. Church, we've got to be deliberate about who we let put their hands on us. We have got to be intentional about who is allowed to touch my life, who is allowed to instill a motive or a perspective or some preconceived idea. Come on, somebody help me for just one moment. I, I'm not looking to get rowdy, but somebody affirm that it's a true statement that we have got to be diligent about who we let shape our perspectives and our priorities and our opinions. If God is to make us who he would have us to be, it's not enough for you and I to acknowledge just that he is the potter, that he's able to make and to mold and that he does all things well, because he does. But we ought not simply rest at the revelation that we are the clay and maybe sing about it and share the idea and quote the script and then sit back and let ourselves just become part of a laissez-faire embracing of the world. Sit back and pursue every carnal pursuit, if you will, and frolic in the frivolity. That's, that's not at all what we are called to do. And if, if, you, if you're thinking tonight, oh, I'm going to hear one more time about the potter and the clay, please bear with me because I want to talk about the work of the wheel tonight. See, this opening, it may, it may, it may not be anything that's revelatory or new to you, but here's the deal. 
God accomplishes in and through us what he desires to accomplish in and through us on the wheel on the wheel. We've all read Jeremiah 18 so many times and, and there, for some reason, I wasn't exactly sure that, that, that phrase, he wrought a work on the wheel. On the wheel, not independent of the wheel, but on the wheel. Not separate from the wheel, not at the table, not over here on a bench, not doing some freestyle thing, but there was, there was this role that the wheel had to play. And it's got to be his hand that you feel. It's got to be, it's got to be his hand that changes us and that moves us and motivates us and makes us and establishes us. It's got to be his hand. If I'm going to be pressed on, it needs to be his hand that's doing the pressing. If I'm going to be pulled on, it needs to be his hand that's doing the pulling and the stretching. I know a visual would be a powerful compliment to the professed word tonight. I was talking to Pastor Sizemore. He said, bro, you ought to just wrench you a potter's wheel and get up there and tell your story and just get that thing spinning. I thought, have mercy. We'd come back. Pastor, come in here. Clay stuck to the media screen and it'd be a disaster. I don't know what I'm doing. Aren't y'all glad I'm not the potter? Hallelujah. He knows what he's doing. Thank you, Jesus. But if God is the potter and we are the clay, what does the work that he does look like? Where does the work that he does happen? How does the work that he does feel? Can I recognize it when it's happening? And here's an even more important question. Can I recognize when it's not happening? Can I tell when I'm not on the wheel? My Lord, is it happening right now? How do I recognize the wheel? There are some telltale signs that I want to share with you that a thing is the true work of the potter. Here's a few. If it is the work of the potter, it's always going to edify. Hallelujah. If it is the work of the potter, you're always going to have an increased faith when the work is complete. Hallelujah. It's always going to propel you and I into a greater place of effectuality. It's always going to make a difference. The work on the wheel, it will always foster godly conviction. It will always grow godly compassion, and it will always birth godly burden. This is what happens when we're on the wheel. And if I'm standing back and auditing my life and I can't find these things, then I need to ask myself, where am I? Where am I? Yes, yes, his angels are camped round about me. Yes, of course, his hand is upon me. Yes, I'm never, I'm never outside of his line of sight. But there's, there's a compliment to his hand and there's a compliment to the encampment of angels and there's a, a compliment to himself seeing the path that I take and it's the wheel. It's the wheel, my God. And so for just a minute, I'd like to share with you a few observations about the wheel. The potter will tell you that the lump of clay has to be affixed to the wheel. There's actually a term for what happens when that clay is applied to the wheel. It's called smacking the clay. It comes down and there has to be a union with the wheel because if it doesn't stay affixed then it could spin off and it, things could get loose and wobbly and out of control. But there can't be any disconnection. There can't be any wobble to it. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Not independent of me but connected to me. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Hallelujah. Without me, you can do nothing. There can't be disconnection from the wheel. It can't be off to the right or to the left. The potter will tell you it's got to be centered upon the wheel. It's got to be in the middle of the wheel. That's where we've got to find ourselves, right there in the middle. Because the potter is going to do something. He's going to begin to spin that wheel. Now they're electric, but back in the day, they would, they would work those feet, and that wheel would begin to spin. And the work on the wheel, it begins to produce a centrifugal force, a force that will pull outward from that center that we are tethered to, that we are anchored upon. There's a spinning involved. There's a turning. And I, when you're on the wheel, the turning is perpetual. It doesn't stop. It's always turning. How many remember when God picked you up and turned you around? Does anybody remember that? Do you remember how it felt the first time when you said, this is different, this is different, here I go. But don't you know that work never ceases? That work is a perpetual work that he desires to do in you and I. This force, this centrifugal force upon the wheel, it pulls things from the middle. Can I say it like this? It's from the inside to the outside. Impurities that are in here, they've got to go, and so they work their way out, and the potter's hand gently removes them. Hallelujah. And what God is going to establish, it has to be manifest in this clay, so there's a spinning, and there's a moving. The work that God is doing in you and I, it's an inside out intimate work. Make no mistake about it, the work of the wheel is meant to move some things around. It, it's meant to move some things around. We, 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 we see the potter's hands on the outside. Even here there's some imagery, it looks like there's some, I, I'm half blinded, look at these lights, but it looks like there's some, there's some hands on that lump of clay there as it's being formed. We see the potter's hands on the outside. But what we can miss if we're not careful is the same potter that we and our friend Torin talks about holding us together. That same potter that is holding us together on the outside, he's propelling the very wheel that is spinning things around from the inside. Now maybe if the wheel would just stop spinning... He wouldn't have to have his hands on us. See, this is what, this is what struck me as paradoxical, and I, I'm not a potter. Anybody in here that, that knows what I'm trying to talk about, forgive me, because you know my research is limited. It's not experiential, but I, I see the parallel in the Spirit. As he begins to work on us, it's causing what's on the inside. Uh, okay. This process, this process I'm talking about, the spinning, that, 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 that process is called throwing the clay. So if, you, if, you, if you're ever talking to a potter and you want to be hip to their lingo, you can, you can ask them, you throw any clay this weekend? I don't know how those conversations go. But it's throwing the clay. See, sometimes we feel like we're being spun. We feel like we're being thrown about, but really it's just a work happening on the wheel because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And so he puts his hands on the outside and he begins to do something on the inside to prepare us for a work that will make us effectual vessels. 
there are some things that are in you and me that the potter's got to get out so that he can make us the vessels that we are intended to be. If we'll stay where we're supposed to be, affixed to the wheel, in the middle of the wheel, not flirting with it, not out here on the edge, not jumping on and off the wheel, but rather letting him do the work that he wants so desperately to do while he's throwing us and yet holding us, there will be a peace that comes because there's harmony between the clay and the potter. My God. Now, now, now my beautiful daughter, Brooklyn, I've already alluded to her tonight. She came to me. She heard I was of a mind to talk about the potter and the clay. And I said, why don't you come up here and talk with me? And she was like, no. And uh, I said, I could interview you. Just share a few thoughts. And she's like, uh-uh. She all pray for her. She's very active in children's ministry, though, so I don't know what it is. She needs that childlike faith, and maybe she wouldn't be so afraid of y'all. But um, she told me about the gospel singer-songwriter, Todd Galbraith. She sent me a little, a little clip. I don't know if you guys have seen this clip. So he starts to exhort in the middle of one of his concerts, and he says, he went to a pottery class. And I don't know if y'all have heard this story, but it's worth hearing, so hang with me. And he said... He got, that, he got that clay down on the wheel and they flipped a switch and it starts spinning and they got the, the bowl of water and he's putting the water on it. He's trying to get his hands on the clay and the thing's wobbling all over. It's uneven, it's uneasy and he's squeezing it and, it's, and then it starts to move and it's doing, it's just out of control. And he said the, the potter that was teaching came over and he said, he said, here, just hold your hands on the outside gently. So you can feel the clay and just let the spinning happen. Let the spinning happen. He said, you'll be, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He said, you'll be able to make that vessel exactly what you want it to be. When you feel it, stop resisting you. He said, when you feel it, stop resisting. Then you'll know it's ready for you to go ahead and put your hands on it with a little more force and begin to push down and push out and make something, make some things happen. Yeah. I wonder tonight how many of us, I wonder if I in this place tonight am on the potter's wheel, but I haven't yet stopped resisting. I wonder if, if so much of what God desires for us remains incomplete because we resist the work of the wheel. We see the nail-scarred hands of a crucified Christ and we know that he loves us, but his hands are only part of the work that's happening when it comes to to the wheel. The work of his hands is being wrought in harmony with the wheel. So we've got to let it spin and stop resisting what the Lord is trying to do. I see myself so clearly. That's okay. Let's give him glory. I see myself in this type, church. The wheel is spinning, but I'm over here justifying my actions, justifying my carnal priority, justifying my perspectives and the reason I got ought against her or him or why my opinion should be heard. And it's, it's creating resistance. That's what it's doing. The wheel is spinning and I'm over here trying to hold someone else accountable for what they haven't allowed to happen in their life, but I'm ignorant to what God's trying to do in my life. And while he's saying, if you would just adhere to the standard that I've shown you, then maybe I could use you to help somebody else along, but you're too busy policing everybody else. Why don't you just let the work happen and quit resisting what I am doing in your life? 
My God, I see myself in this situation. The wheel is spinning and I'm insisting on spending my time trying to keep up with pop culture and trying to understand the stats and the scores and the trades and the salary caps. And I get caught up in some things and all of a sudden, you know, the the clay is wobbling and it can't really be what it needs to be because there's friction and there's resistance and the wheel is spinning. But my conversations are filled with politics and talking about the election cycle and all of the drama and who knows what's true and what isn't. But I know this, it's, it's resistance. It's resistance in my life. The wheel is spinning. The wheel is spinning. Y'all want Brother Brian to confess something that creates resistance in my life? I love cars. I like reading about them. I like watching reviews about them. I like understanding how many electric motors and how it changed the horsepower and when you apply the brake does it create an artificial braking experience because it's doing regeneration to the battery I, I, I know it's sick y'all just pray for me now you may say well that's pretty benign but none of that's eternal I can't build my hope on that because when I look up I don't see cars Y'all, we ain't there. We, we, we ain't met George Jetson yet now. But when I look up, I see the king of glory. Hallelujah. When I look up, I see redemption and I see salvation. And when I look up, I see a savior hanging on a cross with a side that bleeds because he's so filled with love for his creation. And I can't keep those things in my focus. It creates resistance when my time is given to other affections. My goodness. And so there we are. And maybe for you it's Pinterest. Maybe for you it's whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know. But this work on the wheel, it needs to be allowed to perpetuate. Because when the resistance stops, the potter's hand feels natural. And when we allow him to move his hands from having to steady us, he can begin to do the real work down on the inside. He can begin to make us. See, I believe that faith begins where resistance ends. And I'm not quoting anybody. I'm telling you what I believe. I know so many Christians that are consumed with the gray and with the turmoil and the unanswered questions. And they're so frustrated because not everything's clear and not everything's defined and they need an answer for everything. And I just wanna, I wanna inspire you for just a moment if you find yourself in that trap. By grace are you saved through faith. If all the questions are answered and every issue is clear, why do you need faith? If we're not careful, we'll put ourselves in a situation where what we're really clamoring for is a salvation that doesn't require faith. A salvation where I can hand you my list and I can tell you exactly how it is, where they're going to spend eternity, where they're going to spend eternity, how that's going to look, what's this going to do, what they need to do in that situation. And all of a sudden, there's no room for faith. 
Don't read into what I'm saying any deeper than what I just said it. I just realized I was talking. Oh, there's some people that love to spin that like a top. I'm a one God apostolic, Holy Ghost filled preacher. But we would do well to get out of the quandary of our questions and begin to trust God to do a work in us that will make us the vessels we need to be in a world that desperately needs salt and light. <laughs> Hallelujah. My God. His hand pushing down through the very center of our will and our being. And he begins to push some things out. This is where purpose is born. See, if the vessel can't hold anything, then nothing can flow from it. When we're consumed with the outside of the vessel, we don't know if that vessel is 10 gallons or two ounces. But when we let the potter get his hands down on the inside, hallelujah, come on now, then he is going to make room for what needs to flow out of my belly. Does anybody remember what's supposed to flow out of our bellies? It's living water. But if I'm not letting the wheel do its work, there's no room for living water because I'm already full. Have mercy. There's got to be a work on the wheel. There's got to be some things pushed aside if we're going to be vessels that can be filled with living water. Two vessels sitting on a shelf, they may look equally functional. They may look even beautiful. But the value of the vessel when the season of drought comes, well, oh, come on, will be what that vessel can hold. The value of the vessel when the famine comes will be the meal that's in that vessel. The value of the, of the vessel when the pestilence comes will be the oil and the balm that's in that vessel. And I'm telling you that we're not going to hold any of that if we don't stay on the wheel. If we don't let the centrifugal force of the Holy Ghost make room for the work of God in our lives so that we can be who he has called us to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know it's his desire for you to be filled? We say it all the time, but I, 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 I want to take a moment here. If our media team could get Ephesians 3, I don't mean when I say filled, I don't just mean like, how do I say this? In a sense where we feel filled in here, but Monday morning we'll feel bone dry and empty. Or when we walk into that dysfunctional familial relationship we don't feel full anymore i'm talking about full full there's a fullness that god desires for every vessel on the wheel that is beyond what we have known or experienced ephesians 3 i want to read this familiar text ephesians 3 16 let's go to verse 16 if we can that he now i want you to watch this language that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory talking about God, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Now, I read in verse 16 some of the means of how he wants it to happen, but he's talking about the inner man. Oh, and there's two things that stick out to me. There's strength that he desires on the inside, and there is might that is desired on the inside. And we move to verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. See, you were affixed to the potter's wheel because it was his love 
that tethered you. Hallelujah. How many know that he first loved us? Thank you, Jesus. That's the only way I can love him because he showed me how to love. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 3.18, that we may be able to comprehend. So we talked about strength. We talked about might. We talked about this idea of being rooted and grounded. Now comprehension enters the picture. I'm talking about a fullness that is more than joy. It's more than exuberance. This is the fullness that God wants to manifest in each and every one of our lives. And we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and height and to know, knowledge now comes into play, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be, y'all, I can't handle this language. I cannot handle this language. Somebody read that with me. Might be filled with all the fullness of God. I, I know I'm cut from a different cloth. I know but filled with all the fullness of God? Filled with all the fullness of God? We know that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ bodily. And here the writer is saying that, it, that it's the desire, it's the prayer of the apostle, and it is the will of God that we be filled with all of the fullness of God. This is where the work on the wheel will take you, Brother Diley, to a place of being filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. The copious, bountiful fullness of God. Can I talk about the fullness for just a second? Filled with the giftings of God and the grace of God. Filled with the power of God. Can I say this? Filled with the presence of God. Filled with the fruit of his spirit. I'm talking about uh, enemies trembling because of what you're filled with. Because when you're filled with the fullness of God, I, I, I promise you, no enemy's going to stand in his presence. No enemy is going to puff out their chest and, and lodge assault at God omnipotent. And if I'm filled with all of his fullness, my enemies will tremble. Hallelujah. For others, filled with fullness of joy at just being near me. Just being near you. This is where he's taking us, if we'll let the work on the wheel be accomplished, we will be filled with all the fullness of God. What? Are you all hearing me? This is sensational. This is, this is over the top. The idea that I can be filled with all the fullness of God. Children clambering to climb up into your lap? Yeah, you. Grumpy old, leave them kids. Tell them kids to leave me alone. You. Y'all hear me? I hope you, I, thank you for the smiles. Appreciate your grace. It was just a test. Why are they clamoring to get into your lap? Because you're filled with the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Believing, coveting just to be near you. The lame wanting the blessing and the healing that they know flows from you. Filled with the fullness of God. Miracles and mercy, patience and peace. Love, untainted agape love. There's no limit to the work that God desires to make of you and I upon the wheel. There's no limit to what the vessel that has yielded themselves to the hands of the potter and the work of the wheel. There's no limit to what they can do and accomplish. Being filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is everybody all right tonight? Amen. And so we look at our text and it says, 
And the vessel that he made of clay, verse 4 of 18, was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. It was the same clay. This, this language is very curious to me. How did the vessel become marred in the hand of the potter? Did he pick it up that way? I think that's what we assume. I think we assume that, but, but the scripture says the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. As if the marring occurred while he was holding it. Surely we are in his hands. Surely he holds us together. And, and I could get into a whole thing here that looking at the clock, I'm going to hold for another day. But if you'll allow me to put something out there tonight without altogether justifying it to you, if you just have a little faith, <laughs> let me share this thought. I believe that there is a difference between being in his hands and being on the wheel. I'm not afraid of the silence. I want us to think about that for a minute. How many of you in your backslidden condition remember that his hand was upon you? How many of you when you were doing no good for nobody still knew when you laid your head down on your pillow at night that his hand was upon you? But the working of the wheel, that was a whole different ballgame. The mess you were in wasn't God's mess. You see, you see why it's important that I just put that out there for a moment? Many of us, I have found myself marred. I have found myself broken. I've found myself malfunctioning. I, I found myself a vessel that was unfit. I, I cracked under the pressure. I, I attempted applications that I wasn't created for because there are just some things that the vessels God makes aren't designed for. There are things that God's vessels aren't designed for. They don't align with his purpose. His vessels, his vessels crack when they get filled with pride. When his vessels are subjected to toxic and sinful behavior and patterns and every manner of cultural idolatry, his vessels get marred. They weren't made for that. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You and I were made for something altogether different. Friend, there's hope. The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. I think if Jeremiah would have just camped out there long enough, he would have said, and then he made it again 
another vessel. And I think if a fortnight or two passed, however long that is, he would have said, and he made it again another vessel. And he was just getting a snapshot of what it means to live in the dispensation of a gracious God that loves his children, that no matter how many times I'm marred because of my poor decisions and because of who I put myself in the company of, he makes me again new and he makes me again holy and he makes me again fit for service. Woo! A potter will tell you that they can take broken pieces and they can sort them out and say this is with this vessel and this is with that and they can take that dry and that marred clay and they can gather it and they can oh my and they can cover it with water. They can cover that cracked, dry, marred clay and they can cover it with water. And it says in the study that I read, it may take a few days. You may have to add some water because it may be so dry that it sucks up all the water and then rises above the water line. But you just put some more water on it and it'll come to a consistency that the potter can once again pick up and put back on the wheel and begin to make it again a new vessel. Hallelujah. Woo. Ephesians 5 and 25. Ephesians 5, familiar text of scripture. I'm staying in the familiar. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Hear me. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Somebody say by the word. Man, I, I, I can't get off of this. This is this has gripped me since I seen it 10, 14 days ago, whatever it was, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Here's the deal. The potter sometimes has to come back and get that clay in a place where the word can touch it, where the word can cover it, where it can be buried again in the word. Because we, as marred clay, we get to hear and all sorts of other things and other voices. We, 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 we get to have an author's pen on our pages that are not the author and finisher of the faith. Come on now. Shepherds that are telling us, oh, follow me over this way. But when we get to a place where we're broken, we have to get to a place where the word can be heard. That's what will restore you and I today. Hallelujah. Our musicians can come. Our musicians can come. I'm being conscious of the time. I'd plan to, to have you, to have you uh, in, in a better spot, but we're going to press on. I, I want to share one thing with you. Friend, I have found that the word is the shortest distance between where I am and the potter's wheel. It's the shortest distance. That surgical word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and of spirit and of the joints and marrow. It can go anywhere, Brother Leeser. You know, that's like water. Water will find its way to where it needs to go. <laughs> His word will find its way to where it needs to go. We've just got to be submersed. Hallelujah. Let's remember that in the beginning, it was the spirit of the Lord that moved upon the face of the water. And God spoke. Don't forget that the water purged the earth of sin when man's imaginations and thoughts were only evil continually. 
Did not the water consume the enemies of the children of the Lord that pursued them with a hot pursuit? Jesus is the living water. Hallelujah. This is the testimony of Jesus. That word made flesh. Go ahead and drink that word. Go ahead and drink that word. I think sometimes we get confused by all the word pictures and the the parabolic references in scripture. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was a light of men and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. That word was made flesh. Hallelujah. When you get up into this word, you're getting up into the flesh of Jesus Christ. You're getting up where the blood flows. You're getting up where there's deliverance and power and healing. My God, I just want to intimate to you that I have found that it's the work on the wheel and it doesn't operate independent of the word of God. God is not going to do something in you that will not have his word playing its part. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That word is always confronting my flesh. It's turning me around. It's spinning me perpetually. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's still making me. It's still molding me. We've got to love that word. We've got to hear that word. We've got to see it. It, it should come alive in front of us. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you in a moment? You read, you read this word 62 days in a row, couldn't remember what you read the day before, and then all of a sudden, it came alive right in front of you. All of a sudden, like a hologram, it just stood up right in front of you, and you saw it, and all of a sudden, you felt it. One more time, I'm on the potter's wheel. One more time, it began to spin. Thank you, Jesus. It's the work of the wheel. It's the work of the wheel. It's the work of the wheel. Here at our closing, here at our closing, I'll I'll share with you some personal stories. That working of the wheel, I've recognized it because I started paying attention. I wanted to know if I wasn't on the wheel. God, have uh, have I just grown content? with the declaration of blessing, believing that you're holding me. I don't want to undermine a personal relationship with Christ. It's crucial and it's critical, but don't ever let that word personal derail you in thinking that it's not for every individual that you come into contact with. Sometimes as believers, it gets so personal that nobody knows about it. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I heard sister so-and-so was in the hospital. Do you know what's wrong? Well, it was personal. Oh, I'm sorry. And that's how we, if we're not careful, that's how we let our faith manifest itself. And in the workplace, the conversation goes here. And then we see a need and we think to ourselves, man, I've got the Holy Ghost. The Lord could really do a work in their life. I hope they find salvation. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I've been on the potter's wheel and he's been saying, open up your mouth and declare me. Give me the glory. Speak words of life and encouragement and of faith. 
pray and don't be ashamed. And you watch what I do. I want to be filled with all the fullness of God, church. The other day I came into a conversation. I'm, I'm watching the time. I told you that three times. Lord, keep me, keep me, keep me honest. Came into a conversation with a gentleman I talked to many, many times. I would, I would even call him a close acquaintance, flirting with friendship. He's many years my senior, if you can fathom. He asked me what happened to my foot, and we engaged in a conversation. I said, how are you doing? He said, man, I'm doing great. I went down to this motivational deal, and I was listening to these motivational speakers, and man, it really, it really touched my life, and I just have a new, new outlook, and I'm excited. I said, man, that's awesome. How long ago was that? I thought he was going to say like last night, because you know how we are, you know, revival, feel good, 24 hours, you know. 24 days, you're like, did we have revival? When was revival? Well, don't, don't get nervous with real, y'all. I'm just being real. He said, oh, it was probably three or four weeks ago. And I thought, wow. And he said to me, he said, he said uh, it was really powerful. And I, I, I said, Tom, let me ask you a question. Man, it was out of my lips. It was crossed the gate of my mouth before I could stop it. <laughs> that's, that's how the Holy Ghost will do it right there. Your flesh will too, though. Be careful. It'll just be taking you south when he's trying to take you north. And I said, Tom, do you ever read the Bible? <laughs> Man, we took a hard left at Albuquerque. Just, woof, you know. I said, like, just the real Bible, just, I know you're a devout Catholic. I told him, I said, but do you ever like open the Bible and just read? And he looked at me and he said, well, you know, I read what the Catholic church puts out. You know, I do that every day and I pray the little prayer and the meditation that they put in there. I said, that's awesome. I said, you know what? He said, what? I said, I, I bet you would love the Bible. I bet you'd love it. And, uh, conversation took another route. All of a sudden he says, you know, my parents divorced when I was 13 and I went to live with my dad and my little brother went to live with my mom and my dad was Catholic. He had us in mass early and late. He said, but my little brother, he went to some other church and it was like church of God, church of Christ. I don't know what it was. He says, he said, but man, every time we get together on vacation, he said, uh, we sit around and talk about Jesus and I'm I'm always so impressed with the stuff he knows that I don't know. I mean, y'all, I'm talking about fat strikes right down the middle. God is just teeing things up. And I said, man, Tom, can you and me talk about Jesus? Would you like that? He's like, man, I'd love that. <laughs> you say, well, where's the end of the story? Did he get healed of all his diseases and got the Holy Ghost and ran around I-275? No, not yet. Stay tuned. But what I'm saying is we got to be on the wheel. We got to be on the wheel. I know the Reds just swept whoever, but if the conversation would have just stayed there, then we wouldn't be talking about Jesus. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? See, see, God, he will show you things in this word and all the things that are marred. He'll fix them. He'll make you again a new vessel. I got to share one more. I got to share one. It's way shorter, so have hope. Let's all stand.
The Lord showed me the other day, you know, Revelation 3, you know, that letter to the church of Laodicea, that bad, bad, naughty church, that lukewarm church. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that church is the object lesson of what not to be in every sermon, is it not? And I'm not here to change it. But God showed me something about his heart. Do you know what church he rebuked for being lukewarm, but then before he was done said, behold, I stand at the door and knock? That was the church of Laodicea. The same God that said, you're like vomit in my mouth. I can't really take it anymore. I'm going to have to spew you out before he was done talking said, by the way, I'm knocking at your heart's door. If you'll just open it up, man, I'll come in and I'll sit down with you. We can have coffee. It was God reminding me one more time that no matter how grotesque the carnality gets in my life and my preoccupation with worldly things is that he is as close as the mention of his name. He doesn't cast me aside. He just makes me again new. It's the work of the wheel. Could we raise our hands across the assembly? Amen. I'm going to leave it to you how you want to respond. These altars are always open. I would invite you, if you would, to come and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Father God, help me to be on the wheel. On the wheel. I'm not content just with your hand upon me, Lord, but I want you to make me. In the name of Jesus, as our praise singers sing, let's talk to Jesus. Hallelujah.